Welcome to Life Point with your host, Pastor Tom Doherty. Hi, folks. Thanks for joining us again today. As you listened yesterday, or maybe you didn't, but if you didn't, uh, Pastor Max Buchanan, my associate pastor, has been sharing out of the book of Philemon, and it's awesome. And he was telling the background of that. And and then Brandon Myers, our youth pastor, is with us today. So, Brandon, good to see you again. Good to be here. Good to be here again. Yeah, you survived day one of radio. <laughs> did do day one. Did it all right. Of course, you know, yeah, it's going to be more because you're going to be doing some uh, – stuff i'm gonna have you be doing some lessons on the radio down the line here too so looking forward to it good and then max thank you again you and i've been on the radio quite a bit together <clears throat> yeah. this last year yeah and uh your study on philemon went over really well at church i was able to watch it online uh live while you were doing it from mccall on my anniversary and uh so just a little recap you you uh, talked about the background of Philemon and who he was writing it to, and I'll let you carry on. Yeah, for sure. And we got through the greeting, and we kind of established that uh, Philemon had a church in his house, and he was part of the church in Colossae, so it was the Colossian church, and this letter was delivered, Philemon was delivered with Colossians. And so it's kind of interesting that even in, because we're talking, we're dealing with this runaway bondservant, this runaway slave, and in Colossians, one of the big verses in there says that there's no longer, uh, you know, there's no longer slave and free. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, and then it goes down and it says there's no longer slave or free, it's just those that belong to Christ. And Christ that is in them. And so um, it's, you know, there's no secret that these were, you know, kind of playing off of each other with these same themes. But jumping in now after the greeting, like we've been saying, he's writing, urging Philemon to have a heart of grace. And he really starts that thinking here before he gets into his plea for Omnius, the, the bond servant that is going back. And remember, we said this could have crazy implications. He could be branded as a fugitive, thrown in prison. There's all types of punishments that he could have for running away, and yet Paul here is starting to set up this thinking of having a heart of grace and exemplifying you know, our own grace that we've received and knowing that in a transformed life. And so it says this in verse 4, I thank God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of the love that you have, of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and all of the saints. And I pray for that in the sharing of your faith, may every good thing that is f- that is in us for the sake of Christ for I have uh, derived so much joy and comfort from your love, my brothers, because I hear of the saints that have been refreshed through you. And so Paul is saying, I've heard all these things about you, and I know that you love the Lord and that you love all the saints. We know that Omnius came to Paul while he was in prison, and later on in this chapter, he is now a saint. He is one that has come to Christ. And so now he's starting to form that thinking, and he says sharing. They share together, and it's the Greek word koinonia. It's saying that they have all experienced the same grace. Everyone's equal underneath the foot of the cross. We're all people that are in need of Jesus. He forgives us of our sins, and now we partake in that grace. And so it's not only just that we've received it and that it's covered our sins. It's not a get out of hell free card. There's implications that we live a holy life. And that's what really our, you know, denominational movement background, um, the church of God, it, it stems off of, you know, being a Wesleyan church, like a lot of Methodists would be. And the idea there is that we believe that we do live changed lives and that we do live holy lives. And so Pastor Tom can, you know, speak more to that because we talk about holiness a lot in our church denomination and background and such. Well, holiness is, is, is what I was raised in. And I was 
the Church of God is similar to the uh, Free Methodist and uh, a number of the Quakers, Salvation Army. Uh, there's a number, even Nazarene, there's a number of people that are in that area. But more than anything else, it, the difference isn't necessarily backgrounds of like Wesleyan or whatever it might be. The, the difference is we just really want to be godly people. We, we want to be holy people. We know we're not perfect. We know we're saved by grace. One for grace, we wouldn't be sitting here, right, Brandon? Yes, sir. Yeah, and so in fact, Brandon, uh, speaking of grace, when in your life did you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yeah, I was. Uh, I, be- I believe uh, I was in fifth grade. It was at Awana's. Uh, great program. Great program. Yeah, I spent a lot of time there as a kid. But yeah, I remember hearing, you know, growing up in the church, hearing about this God guy and and this Jesus guy who was walking on earth and just being super curious and had, uh, you know, a million and a half questions for who who they were and and what what they were about. And um, I had a, I had a leader at the time like pull me aside and just kind of break it down and said, "Hey, if this is something you want to continue and follow for the rest of your life," I was like, "I sounds kind of cool. I guess I guess I'll do that." You know, a little fifth grade brain working there. But yeah, just just an awesome moment for me, for a leader to pull me aside and break down um, who God is and, and, and share share that with me. And and yeah, I accepted Christ that day. I think it was, Awanas were on a Mondays always for us. So nice. it was a Monday in fifth grade. Yeah, I, re- I remember that to this day. And, and really since then, I, I think my uh, walk with the Lord has just been growing step by step and, and, and getting deeper and deeper. And well, that's great. My parents, of course, were very solid in the Lord, and, and like I said, they taught us holiness. They taught us they want us to make great choices. And I think it's, I don't think it matters religion. Yeah, I mean religion. I yes, it does matter religion. But your <laughs> your spiritual walk, your background of your spiritual walk, what matters is you know Jesus and you do the best you can to live for Him. Whether you call it a holiness movement or what, but I think God has called us to be holy people. We're set apart. You know, and you yeah, know. and that and that's what it means, and that's even what being a saint means is that we are holy ones. We are set apart, um, and we're set apart because of the grace of God. But we want to act and live in that. But I think it's interesting because a couple of times in here, Paul actually talks about being refreshed or being really encouraged as he's sitting in prison of hearing, the, you know, of the things that they're doing. So there's basically these testimonies, and as he urges him to have this plea, he's coming to it and he's saying he's refreshed. And this is something that I think uh, a lot of us in ministry. We know the feeling, and I think that a lot of even lay people know the feeling is like, man, when people start making just steps, radical steps towards Christ, and we're just cheering them on, and it seems like they start to get it, there is this moment where it's refreshing. I can testify to that as a youth pastor. You come off of some camps, and you're like, this kid actually got it. This isn't one of those mountaintop experiences. Like They actually understand it, and then we hear testimony of how they're changed, of how it's impacted their school, sometimes even family life. Like How crazy is that? The kids have come to the youth group they've heard about jesus they've gotten saved and then they walk in this light of grace and their parents are wondering what's up with them they're like we're not believers but they went to this church and now they're acting differently and so we have these stories in these moments where we're refreshed through them and i can just say from you know from the years in youth ministry and your years from the pulpit and you know you're couple years that you've been doing this too is like, man, those are the moments where we step back and we're like, man, we're refreshing this. Or even uh, for me, a huge one is our friend, Zach, the fact that he went and, you know, he's now studying biblical studies and wants to be in ministry. That's one of those things that just kind of like affirms everything that you're going through. Because as pastors, we get caught in the day to day and somebody doesn't like, uh, you know, the worship and when's the coffee cart going to be back open and all these different things plague our mind. And so when we get these moments, I totally relate to Paul 
fall in this, and you guys probably do too, where it's like, it's refreshing. It's refreshing. Anyways, we will start with the plea. Um, Brandon, do you want to read this starting in verse 8? Verse 8? Yep. Yes, I can. Uh, verse 8, Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on, base, on the basis of love. I then, as Paul, an old man and now a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my son Omnius, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. You mean so So they had the baby while he was in chains? Is that what that meant, Max? I hope so. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is obviously talking about a spiritual being born again. And so okay, he's right. relating it back to right uh, our uh, John chapter 3, where you know Jesus and Nicodemus have this conversation. He says, being born again. And so Paul is saying that. He's like, I become his spiritual father um, you know, in this. And what's crazy about this is Paul is saying, I'm aware of everything legally that could come against him. He's coming back to you. You have every right to brand him as a slave. You can have him thrown in jail. He probably stole something from you. He probably owes you something, but he's saying, I'm asking you to forget that. How did they they brand him as a slave? They would literally brand him. Like they'd brand him as fugitive, like the word fugitive, and they would put it on their forehead. So when you're in society, you would have this brand be branded as a fugitive for the rest of your life. And everybody would know that you were a runaway slave. And so it's kind of this like, I mean, that would be insane. And just imagine the the social implications of that. Because slavery terms in this case, it's not slavery like we think of today. We talked about this in the first episode um, of this little, you know, Philemon thing that we're doing. Um, Uh, But it really works where you're a bond servant. You're paying off a debt in the term limit. It can only go for seven years. So after seven years, you're a free person. If you like your master, you can get a hole poked in your ear and you can put this little hoop in it and then you belong to him forever. And what's interesting is actually our relationship with God is described kind of the same way as Koryos and Dulos. So Koryos being master, Dulos being bondservant. But it's saying, man, we were dead in sin. We were purchased with Christ. And if you know that verse, it says, you know, uh, good work, my good and faithful servant. That's the same word, doulos, good, uh, you know, and so that's what it's saying, good work, my good and faithful bondservant. And so it's an interesting term that it comes to. And another term that we've been looking at is koinonia. And so he started this up and he says, we all have fellowship, we all are partaking in the same grace. And so as he makes this plea, he's really, really harping on the fact that he is now a saint. Amias is now a saint. He has the same koinonia, the same grace that we all share at the foot of the cross. And he's urging him to you know, have this grace upon him to forgive him of this. And he says in verse 12, I am sending him and I've been glad, or I am sending him back to you. I'm sending my very heart. And so he's taking this letter and the book to the Colossians and there's another person with him and they're walking back to Philemon. Wow. Well, Max, uh, we got two more sessions we can finish this in uh, on Wednesday and Thursday. And so I appreciate the, uh, the, study because I think a lot of people haven't studied Philemon. I'll be honest with you, I don't know if I've ever pro- preached on Philemon. <laughs> and I, I probably have, but I, didn't, I don't remember recently. And so this is really a great deep study. And uh, folks, we hope you're enjoying it. And this again is Max Buchanan, along with Brandon Myers and myself, Tom Doherty, and we're here. And we're going to continue this tomorrow. So I hope you'll listen. And if you want to find out about yesterday, go to our archives. Lord bless you, folks. Have a great day. LifePoint is a ministry of the Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like a copy of today's broadcast or would like more information about the church, 
please call us at 208-362-1700 or write to Cloverdale Church of God, 3755 South Cloverdale Road, Boise, Idaho, 83709. You may also visit us at our website, www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thank you for listening and have a blessed day.